ಶ್ರೀಹರಿಂಪರಮಂದಷ್ಟಾರೀಶ್ವರಂ ವ್ಯಾಪಕೋಕಾಮ್ಯಹಂ again because of the cold the few <laughs> hardy souls we have got well yes that is the vedantic quality of titiksha which is spiritual fortitude i'll put up with with heat and cold and physical illness problems that the world throws at me and pursue in spite of all of that pursue spiritual knowledge so that's the spirit of vedanta in aparoksha anubhuti we were on verse number 76 shankaracharya is giving us a series of examples actually sat down and counted how many there were in this series in this particular series from verse um, 71 uh, 70 onwards i counted 22 examples up to verse 86 so what shankaracharya is trying to establish is the oneness of all existence that brahman is the only reality the oneness of existence that is the subject that's going on right now and how does how do you accomplish that the problem is when we experience the world we certainly do not see oneness what we see is variety plurality right here there's so many people and their chairs and there are so many items in this room so much variety in this world what do you even mean by oneness the oneness which advaita wants to establish is not against the experience of of variety or experience of plurality follow me here carefully advaita does not deny that you seem to be experiencing plurality but what advaita says is underneath this experience of plurality there is a fundamental unity which we are missing there is a fundamental oneness which we are missing what's it like it's like looking at the at the ocean out there and saying in the atlantic ocean i see 10000 waves true but as water it's one reality or if a jeweler comes and shows you a golden bangle and takes it and melts it and makes a, a um, necklace out of it and shows you the necklace next time and then takes it and melts it and shows you a um, a, a ring or something next time you would be justified in saying that i have seen three different ornaments but is it true that you saw three different ornaments they looked like three different ornaments they looked like three different entities but they were the same gold not only is it are they all gold but it's the same gold which was melted and put into a new form a new name and a new function nama roopa vyavahara difference nobody denies that uh, the the ring looks like a ring and the bangle looks like a bangle and the necklace looks like a necklace and they look different from each other they have different names and different places in the body where you can put them nobody denies that 
But can you deny that they are all the same thing? They are all the same thing. It's the same gold. That's what Shankaracharya is trying to do. Advaita strategy is to do that. Not deny the experience of plurality. Before enlightenment, we experience plurality. After enlightenment also, you will keep on experiencing the same plurality. But you will know it's one reality, Brahman. You say, okay, let it be one reality, so what? That Brahman is you, Tattvamasi. Now you can no longer say, so what? Because it's about you now. You are the one reality which you experience as the plural universe and as your this experiencing self. The experienced plurality and the experiencing self are all of them one existence consciousness bliss. That is, your, your, the, the, that is the truth about us, about you, about me, all of us. To establish this oneness in spite of the experience of manyness, of plurality, what Advaita does is it has to prove the false, it has to show that the, plu, the many are false. That's why Advaita Vedanta says, Brahma Satyam Jagat Mithya. Satyam, true, real, existence. Mithya appears to exist but has no intrinsic existence. It's a technical term. The term Mithya used in Advaita Vedanta must be understood properly, otherwise it leads to a lot of confusion. That which has no existence of its own, apart from Brahman, that is Mithya. An example, of course, I've given so many examples, Shankaracharya gives many more examples. The pot which has no existence apart from the clay. So compared to the clay, the pot is Mithya. Compared to the gold, the golden bangle is Mithya. We are not denying that there is a bangle. But what we are saying is the reality of the bangle is the reality of the gold. The name and the form and the function, they all are there. You can see them, you can experience them, you can use them also. Nama, Rupa, Vyavahara. Name, form and transactional utility or utility. All of them are there, will continue, but they all depend on the substance gold. On the substance clay. And in this world of experience, in the universe, all of it depends on the reality, Brahman. Which is you. That must not be lost sight of. The real you is this Brahman. Existence, consciousness, place. So that's the approach. All of this is Brahman. But now what's the problem? The problem is that we identify ourselves, the Brahman who, which we are, the entire universe, everything is actually us. You. But our problem is we identify ourselves with a particular part of our experience. The whole field of your experience. Right now, for example, here is the whole field of your experience. This room and so many people. And the body and the thoughts inside the mind. All of this is your field of experience. But what are we doing? We say this field of experience is clearly divided into two. Into two. I and this. Subject and object. And we identify the subject, the I, the self, with one body. In this entirety of, of the universe which is presented to you at once, 
You pick one body, that is, you call this is my body. This is who I am. One body, one mind, and that, that this body, mind, I am, the rest is not me. This is the I and the rest is the other. This is error. According to Advaita Vedanta, this is error. This is due to ignorance. It's like in our dreams, we see so many people and so many events happen, but we identify ourselves with my own body and mind in that dream. I don't know it's a dream body and mind. After waking up, I understand that. But in the dream, when I recall the dream, I recall clearly that I saw so many people, but there was one body and mind which I thought, it's me. When I wake up, I realize, it's, first of all, it's all false, it's a dream. And second, all that I saw, I don't deny I saw the dream. I saw the dream and everything that I saw, including that body-mind which I thought was myself, all of it was, in a sense, was myself. What Advaita is saying is not that, you know, not the body, not the mind. It's not that really. The ultimate truth that Advaita wants to say is, I am all of this. The error is in thinking I am only one part of it. It's as good, it's equally true to say I am all of this or I am none of this. It's equally true to say the gold, gold is the bangle, the necklace and the ring. Or you can say the gold is actually not a bangle, not a necklace or not a ring. Both are true, right? It's true to say that the rope is the snake. The false snake which we see in the rope. That snake is nothing other than the rope. Or it's also true to say the rope is not a snake. Both are true to say, but you have to understand in what sense. That's why Shankaracharya will give us a series of examples. The real problem is identification with this one body-mind complex. And the examples Shankaracharya is giving here are all targeted at this particular problem that I identify myself with a particular body-mind complex. So Shankaracharya is giving us a series of examples to show because of my not knowing Brahman, because that I, I do not realize that I am Brahman, what do I do? I think I am this body-mind. And th all the examples are targeted at that. Remember, these are examples. These are not arguments. Somebody said, you've given an example. You have not proved anything. True, Shankaracharya is not trying to prove anything by argument here. In Advaita, it's not like a set of arguments step by step and then you will arrive at the result. You cannot do that. The highest truth that you are Brahman is actually not as, you know, like somebody sat down in an um, armchair and thought it out or in, in an, on an asana as a rishi and thought out step by step that I am Brahman. Not like that. Rather, these truths were revealed in the deepest meditation to the rishis. And then, once it had been grasped, now they are giving us arguments and techniques. They are more or less, more or less like there's somebody on the roof and that person lets down rope ladders to us so that we can climb up. Already the person is at the roof. roof. The truth has already been found out. Many people have reached it. Many have reached it and we can also reach it. The goal is to reach that. And all of these, these, these arguments, the reasoning is there, a lot of reasoning. Advaita is full of reasoning. But remember, the ultimate result is not arrived at through reasoning. It's been arrived at 
through what you might call an intuitive grasp. You must first get it, then all the reasoning will make sense. In order to get it, the reasoning also will help. And these examples are just examples. Then they are not trying to prove anything. Rather, they are giving you that rope ladder is being let down. Try to understand the example and then apply it to yourself and see if you can get it. This is the point. Let's do one or two examples. I'll have more to say about it. Verse number 77. If you remember verse number 76, how that nice example of when you go in a boat, suddenly sometimes the the shore, the opposite shore and the buildings and the trees and all of that, they start seem to start moving. It's a, an illusion, an optical illusion caused by the movement of the boat. Similarly, the actions of the body and mind are superimposed upon the changeless self. I, as pure consciousness, I do not do anything, but I am deluded because of my identification with the body and mind. So when work is done with the body or you think something, you say something, think, I am doing it, I am thinking this, I am saying it. Next, 77. hi yatha shubhre hi yatha shubhre Doshad bhavati kasya chet Doshad bhavati kasya chet Tadvad Atmani Dehatvam Tadvad Atmani Dehatvam Pashyatya Jnana Yogata Pashyatya Jnana Yogata Because of ignorance Ajnana Yoga means connection with ignorance because of the presence of ignorance. Ignorance of what? Ignorance of not knowing the true self, not knowing who I am or what I am. What happens? I think that I am the body. And what's the example given here? Where a white substance or a colorless substance is suddenly seen to be yellow. It is said that uh, people who jaundice because of the accumulation of pigment, uh, bilirubin, I think. Bilirubin. Yes. Because of the accumulation, they are supposed to see. Uh, things as yellow. Those things are not actually yellow, but that's how they see it. Though I don't know, I, I had that once a long, long time ago. I didn't see anything as yellow, but I suppose some, some patients might see it as yellow. Anyhow, let's take it for, uh, for the sake of the example that if somebody gets jaundice and the person can see things as, as, uh, as, as yellow, though there is no yellowness there in the object. It's something that the patient is superimposing on the object and think that looks yellow, though it's not yellow. In the same way, the body which appears in consciousness, I say, I superimpose myself, the consciousness, upon the body and I say, this is me. What are you? This. What is this? Me. I. It's I. And it seems so natural to me. So the body is superimposed or taken to be myself. Dehatvam tadvad atmani. In the self, which is existence, consciousness, place, I, I forget that and I think it's the body. It's the mind. You say, all right, it's easy to say that uh, somebody sees something which is actually white, you see it by mistake as yellow. But uh, 
what's the mechanism here in the case of consciousness identifying itself with the body? How does that work? And I found a beautiful passage in um, the Bhagavad Gita commentary of Adi Shankaracharya. In the 50th verse of chapter 18 of the Bhagavad Gita. In that verse, there's a long commentary given by Shankaracharya where he takes up this question. That how does it get identified? How does pure consciousness get identified with the body-mind? Shankaracharya says, there's nothing impossible about this. He says, the, the buddhi, or let's take the ego, it is, it is pure and, and luminous and transparent like consciousness. And it shines in consciousness. He uses the word buddhi. The intellect shines in this consciousness as transparently, as luminously, as purely, uh, as consciousness itself. And so, you, you immediately get the feeling, I am this, this, this buddhi, this intellect. And the intellect shining next shines upon the mind, thoughts, emotions. And the, the intellect shining with the light of consciousness, identified with consciousness, now shines upon the mind and gets identified with the mind. And the consciousness, intellect, mind together. Now it's consciousness plus intellect plus mind. Instead of saying plus, I can better, I'd better say consciousness limited by intellect, limited by the mind. Now it shines upon the sensory system. Sight, touch, smell, smell taste. And it gets identified with the sensory system. And next the senses reveal the body, the presence of the body. All this happens in a flash. Reveal the presence of the body. And the consciousness limited by the buddhi, intellect limited by the mind, limited by the sensory system, now gets limited further by the body. And we say, I am this. I am this body-mind system. Sound sleep? That reminds me of that um, Swami Saradananda. He was here in the um, Vedanta Society a long time ago. And um, at one time he went and gave talks in uh, Ridgely Manor. Miss Josephine MacLeod, um, Swami Vivekananda's uh, close disciple. Uh, she, she was there attending the, uh, attending the talks, and and every day she would ask, Swami uh, Sardananda, did you sleep well, Swami? And in the morning she would ask when they met for breakfast. One day Swami Sardananda was giving a talk and uh, Miss McLeod, she fell asleep, in the talk, and after the talk the Swami was greeting all the uh, the visitors, and when Miss McLeod came along and the Swami said very politely. Did you sleep well? <laughs> yes. So the consciousness identified with the buddhi, identified with the mind, identified with the sensory system, identified with the buddhi. There's a lot, a lot of identifications there. It all happens all together. The moment you get identified with the buddhi, the buddhi, the intellect, mind, sensory system and body, they form one integrated system. So, the identification happens in a flash. Identification means, I feel I am this. And in that commentary, Shankaracharya explains it so well. And he says, that is why there are schools of philosophy which say, I am the body. 
That is why there are schools of philosophy which say, no, I am a mind and an intellect in a body. That, that thing is, most, be, most of us, we, we feel that. We are a mind and intellect, an embodied mind intellect. Most people, most grown-up, intelligent, thinking people feel that. Or some people even feel, I am the intellect alone, or the ego alone, I, the I sense alone. But we are none of these. And therefore this the whole process, that's why Advaita begins with this process of disidentification. I am not the body, not the mind, not the intellect, not the ego. Because the I sense, the ego, that is also experienced. And whatever is experienced is an object. Whatever is experienced is an object. Yes. Do you experience your own I? Not this I, the vertical I. Do you experience it? Do you think, I, I am sitting here, don't you think that right now? I am sitting here. So you are experiencing the I, the ego also. If you are experiencing the ego, the ego is also an object. A very subtle object. But it's an object. Object to what? To you, the witnessing consciousness. Oh, none of these objects I am. This process of disidentification is the first step in Advaita Vedanta. Shankaracharya therefore sings, Mano buddhyahankara chittani naham. I am not the mind, I am not the intellect, I am not the memory, I am not the ego. All the parts or functions of the inner psyche, of the antakarana, inner instrument, I am not these. And why am I not these? How am I not these? We have discussed it in great detail. But remember, this is only the first step. Actually, Brahman is all of these. But what, what is wrong is identifying yourself with one set of body, mind, intellect and ego and not with others. So that's the problem. Otherwise, you know, from the Advaitic perspective, there is no difference between, there is no gap, no difference between Brahman, existence, consciousness, bliss and the body and the mind. In fact, the truth is, the mind is also Brahman, the intellect is also Brahman, the body is also Brahman. It may seem just the opposite of what, what we learned in Vedanta. Body is also Brahman. The universe is also Brahman, all of it. None of, the, none of it exists without Brahman. It's like saying all the ornaments, golden ornaments are gold. The jar is also clay and the, and the earthen jar is also, also clay and the, the, the um, pot is also clay. The error consists in thinking somebody says that the pot alone is clay, that's not, the jar is not clay. Then you will, you will think that the person doesn't understand what clay is. Somehow thinks that the pot alone is clay. Otherwise there's no distinction between Brahman and the universe. Shankaracharya at one, in one of his commentaries he says, Our experience of the world is one continuous experience of Brahman. Imagine the beauty of that. That you are continuously, helplessly experiencing God. How can you not experience God? I know I, I have contributed a lot to this idea that Advaita means separating Brahman from everything else. I have sort of become identified again with Drigdrishya Viveka. I have, taught, I have taught that so many times and said that so many times that the seer and the seen are different. But remember, now we know. That's only the first step in Advaita Vedanta. 
the drashta, the seer, the experiencer, is different from the seen or the experienced. I'll ask you a question. Think about it. Quite a startling, simple question, but a startling question. Where is the line of demarcation between drashta and drishya? What is the line of demarcation? If I'm saying that the seer and the seen are different, there must be a boundary. On this side, the seer, on that side, the seen. I'm asking a very, very interesting question. Swami Brahmananda said this. He asked this question. He said, all is consciousness. Then somebody said, how can this table and chair and all of this be consciousness? And then he asked this question. He didn't give the answer. He asked the question, can you show me the line of demarcation between consciousness and the not conscious? Between consciousness and its object, can you show me the line of demarcation? I'm asking you, seer and seen. Right now, there you are sitting. You are the experiencer, right now. And what are you experiencing? You are experiencing all of this. You are seeing me and seeing all of this. You are hearing the sound of my voice. You are feeling the existence of your own body, sitting on the chair. All of this you are seeing, so they are all seen. Which is the seer, where, where, and you are the seer, but where is the demarcation? There should be, if they are different, if two things are different, there's a demarcation. Here is a clock, and here is a um, lectern. I'm putting the clock on the lectern, they are two different things. There's a body, clear borderline. On this side is the clock, on that, and below that is the lectern. Seer and the seen are two different entities. If they are, then there should be a line of demarcation. Take it in a very simple, naive way. Okay, that for me, it seems to me like this. All that is seen, drishya, I am the seer. Line of demarcation, the skin. What is inside the skin is the seer and outside the skin the seen. But the skin itself, do I not see it? And what is inside the skin, I can feel its existence and a doctor can cut it open or scan it and show me also. That also becomes the scene. It's an object. It's an object. It's also the scene. Okay, then the demarcation is between mind and body. Not body and the world, but mind and body. But the mind, thoughts in the mind, are they also not the scene? Thoughts in the mind, are you not aware of it? When you're happy, are you not aware you're happy? Say, yeah, I'm very happy, but I don't feel it. How strange that sounds. <laughs> you feel it. If you are happy, you feel it. If you are unhappy, you feel it. If you understand, you know that you understood. If you do not understand something, you know that you can't understand. You're confused. So the contents of our mind and intellect are also seen. The, the demarcation between the seer and the seen seems to be retreating faster and faster, disappearing. Where? If you search, you will never find any demarcation between the seer and the seen. I didn't let you on to this before because otherwise I wouldn't have gotten off the ground. People are fascinated. The seer and the seen are different. Drashta and Drishya are different. If I had this little question, if somebody had asked me at that time, I would have been in trouble. If they're different, where is the line of difference? The conscious and the not conscious, Swami Brahmananda asks, where is the line of difference? Seer and seen, where is the line of difference? There is a line of difference, but you'll never guess what it is. Ignorance? Yes, who said that? <laughs> All right, full marks to him. 
the difference between seer and seen remarkable the difference between seer and seen is agyana ignorance only because of my ignorance do i think that there is a difference between the seer and the seen if the ignorance is removed all of the seen they become the seer seer and the seen are one reality within this one reality swami vivekananda put it best one alone exists it appears as nature soul drishya drashta but one alone exists very good ignorance the only difference the line of demarcation between seer and seen is not a physical line not a mental line not an intellectual line it's ignorance we just don't we just we think it's a different thing it's not different it's one reality imagine in your dream the dream example is nice when you're standing there later on when you wake up and you recall your dream you're standing on a street and seeing the scenes in the street people going coming and going buildings and so many things you're seeing what was the demarcation line of demarcation between you and the things that you were seeing you thought i am this person and i'm seeing all of that but when you wake up you realize all of that and also this person whom you saw in the dream all of it was in in your mind right there was no demarcation between that all right in the same way we think i am this particular body and mind and everything else is different from me but the reality is it's in one existence consciousness place many more examples very nice examples 78 chakshurbhyam bhramashilabhyam chakshurbhyam bhramashilabhyam sarvam bhati bhramatmakam sarvam bhati bhramatmakam tadvadatmani dehatvam tadvadatmani dehatvam pashyatyajnana yogata pashyatyajnana yogata chakshurbhyam bhramashilabhyam if there is a defect in the eyes in the vision then we see everything incorrectly the problem is not out there the problem is in my eyes in the same way because of ignorance we see or we experience or we think that this body mind is me and everything apart from it is not me the truth is that you are not this body not this mind not any of it and the deeper truth is mind body and all bodies and minds and everything that's not a body and mind also all of it is nothing other than you chakshurbhyam bhramashilabhyam when the eyes have a defect then whatever you experience seems defective one patient came to a doctor and said doctor it hurts the doctor said what hurts everything what do you mean everything look he touched his own hand and says ow it hurts his wrist ow it hurts and his elbow ow it hurts and the shoulders and the chest and the neck and the forehead ow it goes it hurts and the doctor said show me your finger there's a the finger there was a slight crack in the finger <laughs> because he was using the finger to test everything and so he thought everything hurts it's his finger which hurt actually 
If the eyes are defective, we see everything in, in the incorrectly. And in the same way, because of my ignorance, I am seeing this particular body and mind as me. But it's not me. 79. Alatam Brahmane Naiva Alatam Brahmane Naiva Vartulam Bhati Suryavat Vartulam Bhati Suryavat Tadvad Atmani Dehatvam Tadvad Atmani Dehatvam Pashyatyagyana Yogata Pashyatyagyana Yogata Alata means a firebrand. You know, like a, in India we have these firecrackers. Uh, Puljari we call them, that uh, sparklers. And if you whirl it around, light it up and whirl it around, it looks like a circle. Like the fan. It's got um, uh, five blades, but if you switch it on, it looks like a disc when it moves fast. Similarly, a, a firebrand, if you whirl it around, it looks like a shining circle. Although it's only one point of light, but you whirl it around, it looks like a circle. So he says, Alatam Brahmanena, by whirling around a firebrand, a little point of fire, Vartulam, circular, it looks circular, just like a disk of the sun. In the same way, consciousness itself, you are consciousness itself, but you are identified with the body and mind and you think you are a body-mind complex. Then two more examples about how you're going to talk about binoculars and, um, and uh, microscopes. I don't know what kind of... Uh, he's writing 1400 years ago. Mahatve sarva vastunam Mahatve sarva vastunam Anutvam yati duratam Anutvam yati duratam Tadvad atmani dehatvam Tadvad atmani dehatvam Pashyatyagyana yogata Pashyatyagyana yogata Mahatve, though things are very large, because of distance, they look tiny. A star looks tiny, a dot of light in the sky, but it's much bigger than the earth. Many of them are much bigger than our sun. So, because of great distance, huge things also look tiny. Similarly, though this, this body-mind is not, not us, because of this ignorance, we think that we are this body-mind. It's an optical illusion, and he's comparing it to the illusion of thinking that we are body-mind. The next one talks about a lens, a microscope. Sukshmatve sarva bhavanam Sukshmatve sarva bhavanam Sthulatvam chopa netrata Sthulatvam chopa netrata Tadvad atmani dehatvam Tadvad atmani dehatvam Pashyatyagyana yogata Pashyatyagyana yogata Sukshmatve, something very fine, very subtle, can appear very large and, 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 and very, very distinctly visible uh, because of, he says, Upanetra. Now, Upanetra means a lens. So, 
1400 years ago, Shankaracharya is writing about it, and just, just like that. It's not that it's the latest, like the latest discovery or something. It's a common example he's using. So there's some kind of maybe crude lenses were available at that time. Who knows? A very subtle thing looks very, uh, I mean, very much visible and large because of the presence of, of a lens. In the same way, the body-mind, which is not me, because of ignorance, the lens of ignorance, <laughs> it seems to be me. Then, 82. Kacha bhumau jalatvam va Kacha bhumau jalatvam va Jalabhumau hi kachatam Jalabhumau hi kachatam Tadvad atmani dehatvam Tadvad atmani dehatvam Pashyatyagyana yogata Pashyatyagyana yogata A glass surface It looks like You know like water, calm surface of water without any ripples, it may look like gla glass, or glass may look like water. Right? Or the opposite, jalabhumau hi kachata, jalabhumau hi kachata, which means um, the surface of water in, in a pond or a little pool from a distance, if it is very clear and very still, it may look like glass. And so, sometimes uh, I was seeing the the a uh, lake in Central Park after a night of frost. It looks like glass. So this reference is actually to something in the Mahabharata. You know there's a story that uh, when the Pandavas constructed their magnificent palace in Indraprastha um, and then it was Duryodhana I think. The villainous Duryodhana who came to inspect it and he was envious seeing all this magnificence and then he he made two mistakes. I think once he saw uh, what he thought was water and he carefully stepped around it or it was actually glass. Uh, and another time he thought, oh, this thing is glass. And he stepped over it and fell into, it, into the pool. And I think Draupadi laughed at him and that made him furious. That's one of the reasons why he hated the Pandavas so much. Now both examples are there. A surface of glass, it's mistaken to be water. A surface, a watery surface is mistaken to be glass. An error. In the same way, body-mind is mistaken to be the self. What are you? Body-mind. What is this body-mind? Me. I. That's the example. I'm reminded of something I saw in Rajasthan, in a place called Lakshmangar, where and this gentleman was showing me his own creation. There was this um, water flowing over a marble surface and, and um, he wanted to create the effect, a glassy effect. That means the water has to flow like a waterfall, but it has to flow so perfectly that there shouldn't be any ripple in it. So it will look from a distance like glass. And to get that effect, even the tiniest disturbance in the marble would set up a ripple. So he had to smash the marble and again put it together and smash it until he got it right. I don't know what amount of expense he must have gone, uh, gone to. So, and yeah, it did look like glass, though, though it's flowing water, not even still water, flowing water. From the distance, it looks like a beam of glass. It's so smooth. Yeah, it's an optical illusion. 
today I saw on the, in the subway, there's an advertisement for the Metropolitan Museum. It's called the Senses, Our Senses uh, uh, Experience, an exhibition. It says we challenge you to, tr to see how, you can, how far you can trust your senses. So several spaces apparently have been created. So just like an optical illusion can be created, or illusions created by other senses, in the same way, because of ignorance, we think this body-mind is us. To the enlightened person, this is not at all me. Though the person can go on using this body-mind to transact with the rest of us. Then, 83. <laughs> Just as one may mistake fire to be a gem, you know, from a distance, little uh, embers of fire from distance red or bluish they may look like gems precious gems I've never seen that of course but I mean today these days gems are not like that uh, available anywhere else. so you will normally not make a mistake like that but I suppose in a different time and culture one could make such a mistake um, embers of fire in the distance they may look like gems scattered there or the opposite again. Gems scattered there, you might feel that there is fire there. Something is burning or glowing there. So he gives this example of mistaking fire to be gems, shining gems, or mistaking shining gems to be fire. In both cases, there's an error. In the same way, we mistake the body-mind complex to be us. Though the body-mind complex appears in us, the consciousness. 84, another nice example. So these are, many of these examples are common. We can see them in our lives and, and it, it should remind us that we are not this body-mind complex. This is an example that Shankaracharya has given. I have read in the Aparokshanabhuti class. We make a, make a mistake about this. In the same way, I'm mistaking, I'm making a big mistake, thinking I am the body-mind complex. 84. Abreshu Satsudha Vatsu Abreshu Satsudha Vatsu Somodhavati Bhati Vai Somodhavati Bhati Vai Tadvad Atmani De Hattvam Tadvad Atmani De Hattvam Pashyatyagyana Yogata Pashyatyagyana Yogata because of the presence of ignorance, Ajnana Yoga. It's not Jnana Yoga. You see, it is, Swami, you're teaching a new type of yoga or something. No, no. It's because of the presence of ignorance, Ajnana Yoga. We think that the Satchidananda, not aware of it at all, we think it's the body-mind. I am the body-mind. In the example here is very nice. At night, suppose it's a moonlit night. And uh, there are these dark clouds. Abra means rain-bearing clouds. And it's windy. 
And so the clouds are racing. What do you feel when the clouds pass over the moon? Don't you sometimes, we have all seen it. The moon is moving and pretty fast. You feel the moon is moving very fast. The clouds, the dark clouds in the sky are, are running. Like Dhavatsu means they are rushing along in the sky, blown by the wind. And it seems suddenly you feel the moon is rushing. The moon is rushing through the sky, is moving fast through the sky. It's an illusion created by the motion of the clouds. In the same way, we superimpose the body-mind and its thoughts and doings and sayings all upon ourselves. I am this. The next one, 85. Yathaiva digviparyaso Yathaiva digviparyaso Mohad bhavati kasyachit Mohad bhavati kasyachit Tadvad atmani dehatvam Tadvad atmani dehatvam Pashyatyajnana yogata Pashyatyajnana yogata Because of the presence of ignorance, ignorance about what? Oneself, that I am Satchidana, we don't know that. And even if we read it or we think about it, we don't really, we don't have an intuition. Once you've got it, that's different. But until we get it, we don't really know that. Because we do not know that, we make a mistake. Because we don't know it's a rope, we mistake it for a snake. If you knew it was a rope, you wouldn't make the mistake. Even if it looked like a snake, you wouldn't make the mistake because you say, I know it's a rope. But because I do not know it's a rope, I am naturally led into error, thinking it's a snake. In the same way, I do not know that I am Satchidananda. And the body, as Shankaracharya says, the intellect first appears to me, buddhi. The mind appears to me, the sensory systems appear, appears to me. And then it presents the body. And I say, I am this body-mind complex. The example given here is that confusion about directions. So suppose... Somebody takes you um, and spins you around. Your eyes are, they're blind, you're blindfolded. And then you don't know which direction you're facing anymore. It's very simple. Very uh, simple to lose sense of direction. Unless you have a GPS to tell you. So very simple to lose a sense of direction. Sometimes the GPS does that. Take the first turn left and proceed north. But there is not. <laughs> <laughs> so, it says, when, because of confusion, mohat, because of confusion, for some person, there might be temporarily a confusion about direction. Is this east, or is, is that west, or is that north or south? We don't know, until we figure it out. In the same way, we are confused about what we are. 86. Another moon and water example, but this time the other way around. Yatha shashi jale bhati, yatha shashi jale bhati, chanchalatve nakasya chet, chanchalatve nakasya chet, tadvad atmani dehatvam, tadvad atmani dehatvam, pashyatyajnana yogata. Pashyatyajnana yogata. 
Yathashashi, just like the moon reflected in the water, when the water ripples, when there are waves in the water, what happens to the moon? It seems to move. And it is true, the reflected moon moves. The moon, the reflection, does it move or not? Yes, it's true. When the water moves, the reflection also gets disturbed. And if a person doesn't know it's a reflection, some, someone who, suppose someone doesn't know, and thinks that the moon is moving, the moon, actual moon in the sky does not move at all. It's the movement of the water which gives the, the, the sense that there, is, there are ripples or movements in the moon also. But that happens in the reflected moon. In the same way, thoughts in the mind, all the activities of the body-mind get superimposed upon me. I'm fat, I need to lose weight. How can pure consciousness be fat or thin? How can pure consciousness lose weight? Does it have any weight? It's the body and I'm reflecting it upon myself. Or I am unhappy, I'm depressed. How can consciousness be unhappy or depressed? Unhappiness or depression is in the mind, it's subtle. But you see how this, this can be applied. Unhappiness or depression is in the mind. It's not denying that there is a feeling of unhappiness or depression in the mind. They're not denying it. But it's not in you, it's in the mind. Keep the thing where it belongs and you'll be saved a world of trouble. Put the depression in the mind. Oh mind, be depressed. If you do that, the first thing that will happen is the mind will not be depressed. It will give up being depressed. It's not in me. And it's a plain fact. You don't actually have to do anything. You just have to see it for what it is. It's not very difficult either. What's difficult is, first of all, to get it first. And once we get it, the next difficulty will be an ingrained habit of many, many lifetimes of identifying with the mind. Even if I know that I'm not the mind, I've also understood that in that sense I'm not the mind, it's an object. Like these are objects, that's also a subtle object. Thoughts, feelings, depression, it's an object. I know that, I understand it, yet I feel depressed. It's a long habit of identifying with the mind. So we act out of habit. That habit requires uh, to you to develop a counter habit. Uh, to, to rule out that. That's why Nididhyasana, repeated application of what you have understood, to dwell on that, to stabilize it. Look at the word used in the Gita for an enlightened person. Sthita Pragya. Stabilized wisdom. Not like I said, got it. Krishna, Arjuna does not ask Krishna, so what's that person who's got it looks like? What does, what does, what's that person like? No. He asks a much more intelligent question. What does that person who has who's got it all right, but has stabilized that getting it, who can live it, what does that person look like? What does that person do? How does that person talk? How does that person react to the world? What that means, what, what is the difference between us and a fully enlightened person? And then he ties it all up. See, in all these verses, from verse number... Um, 75 onwards, 75 to 86, 12 verses. Um, 
this line has been repeated tadvadatmani dehatvam pashyatya jnana yogata again and again and again just like this we take the body mind to be the self just like um, just like you see a whole forest or or a tree or a whole forest inside a lake there's no forest in the lake it's a reflection but you think it's there it's not there looks like that in the self we see body mind and think i am the body mind just like that and so on so many examples have been given and now he ties it all up in verse number 87 and concludes this topic evam atmanya vidyato evam atmanya vidyato dehadhyaso hi jayate dehadhyaso hi jayate saivatma parijnanat saivatma parijnanat liyate cha paratmani liyate cha paratmani evam in this way in which way in the way we have given the so many examples of error we are making an error a fundamental error about ourselves why are we making this error one word ignorance avidyato because of avidya ignorance ignorance of what ignorance of our real nature as sachidananda what happens because of that dehadhyaso jayate the superimposition of the of the body mind happens because of that ignorance of the rope what happens of that you don't know it's a rope that's ignorance and you think it's a snake that's error ignorance leads to error agyana or avidya leads to the technical term in advaita vedanta is adhyasa superimposition swami vivekananda called it hypnotization we have hypnotized ourselves and uh, all of vedanta is dehypnotization so evam atma so what is the solution what's the solution then if i am making a mistake and the body and mind are making a mistake and the cause of that mistake is ignorance about who i am then the solution will be knowledge of who i am evam atma parijnanat so therefore in this way by the knowledge by the correct knowledge of the atman that i am chidananda rupah shivoham again must get it that oh i am the unchanging witness of these appearances and they all appear within me then what happen very interesting liyate cha paratmani this body and mind will be merged into satchidananda understand that very carefully it's not that the body and mind will suddenly slowly you know little by little it will start disappearing what's happening i'm getting merged into brahman no <laughs> the examples are like that so sri ramakrishna gives the example of salt doll which went into the ocean and then could not come back because it becomes one with the ocean but these are very sophisticated examples one must not understand them in a crude sense what ha- what's happening to you i'm dissolving into brahman no it's like it's like you are an indian or an american how do you become um 
How do you become a human being? What does it take? You're already a human being. All that it takes for you to is to step back from the identification, the construct of being an American or an Indian, and say, I am a human being. How long does it take the pot to become clay, a clay pot? How can you, how can you turn this lectern into wood? How can you turn it into wood? You just called it a lectern, a podium. How can you turn it into wood? Just know it, just recognize it, just see it as wood. And that seeing it also does not, you know, you don't have to squint at it and to see it as wood. It's just a change in perspective. In, in Sanskrit, the terms are karya drishti, karana drishti. Karya drishti means the effect vision, the product vision. And karana drishti means causal vision. The material, if you're looking at the, if you're concentrating on the substance, on the reality, it's wood. You just have to see it. Yes, it's wood, Swami. I, I've done it. I can see it as wood. There is, uh, in Kashmir Shaivism, they talk about Bhairavadrishti, a very interesting uh, concept. You know, there's a, there are, there are attendants of Shiva. And in Shiva temples, you will see on the top of the temple a, a rather fierce-looking character. A little, little image uh, sitting up there and uh, with big eyes. They are companions of Shiva. They are called Bhairavas. Now, that's, the yogis sometimes think of themselves uh, as, as Bhairavas. Now the Bhairava Drishti is, when the Bhairava opens his eyes, the universe is created. When the Bhairava closes his eyes, the universe merges back into Shiva. You'll say, wow, that's some trick. You can do it too. You just did it. See this thing as a podium? That's the Bhairava opening its eyes. See this thing as wood just now? See it now? That's the Bhairava closing its eyes. See this world as name and form and function and all of this? This world? That's the Bhairava opening the eyes. See this world as Brahman, as existence, isness all around. Focus on the isness. That is Karana Drishti. The world is merged back into Sat, into being. See this world as nothing other than appearances in consciousness. Bhairava Drishti, that is Karana Drishti. You're merging the name and form back into consciousness. Focus on the world, names and forms and functions. You, are, you have got Karya Drishti. And that's the Bhairava opening his eyes. We are all Bhairavas. The moment you, can, you want, you can merge yourself back into the Shiva nature or Satchidananda nature. The moment you want, you can open your eyes and, and deal with the world, just like everybody else is. The person who is ignorant of this nature, of this, this technique, is stuck on one side of the wall. Just seeing this as a mixture of the existence and name and form and function, as you cannot separate the two. He thinks it's only a podium. What do you mean wood? It's a podium. Where's the wood in this? Thinks only it's a pot. Where's the clay in this? It's a pot. You understand the clay nature, you understand the pot nature. And you can separate the two in your understanding. Physically you cannot. Why can you not separate them physically? Why can't you separate the clay and the pot physically? There is no pot without clay. There are, because you cannot separate them, because there are not two things. 
There are two things when you speak about it. There are two things when you analyze it. There are two things when you philosophize about it. Really, there is only one thing. What is that one thing? I'll give you three options. It's a pot. Option one. Multiple choice question. It's a pot. Second, it's a clay pot. Third, it's clay. Fourth, none of the above. <laughs> what do you think? Pot, clay pot, and clay, and uh, none of the above. <laughs> As a Vedantin, you will say it's clay alone. Dispute that. Our temptation is to say, yeah, it's a clay pot, right? There are two terms, clay and pot, right? I'll show you why it's not a clay pot. There are two terms, clay and pot. Can you show me two things? You have used two words, clay, one word, pot, another word. Show me two things corresponding to two words. Here, there are two words, clock. Don't worry, I've got my eyes on the clock. Clock. And here's another word, book. I can show you two things corresponding to the two words. Clock, here is an object. Book, here is an object. But when I say clay, pot, show me two things corresponding to the two words. You can't. Each time when I, you will show only that same thing and it's clay. You can't show me a, an object apart from the clay corresponding to the word pot. We use, then is the word pot meaningless? No, it has meaning. It refers to the name and the form and the function that clay plays at that particular time, when it's shaped like that and used in a particular way. And that's all right as far as the world is concerned. Even after all your Vedanta, you'll still know how to go on the subway or take your car and drive back. Everything will work fine. There's no problem at all. But you know all of it is one existence consciousness place. Or at least that's, the, that's what we have to focus on. Atma Parigyanat. The moment you realize the Atman, I am Satchidananda, what will happen? I thought I am the body-mind. What will happen to the body and mind? That body and mind also will be recognized to be Satchidananda. The body-mind also will be recognized to be Satchidananda. So that is what is called Liyate, merging back into Satchidananda. It means recognizing the pot is merged into the clay. He said, don't you dare do that. I'm very fond of my pot. Don't worry, nothing will happen to it. The pot is merged into the clay. You realize every bit of that pot is nothing but clay. There is no real entity called pot apart from clay. Merging body and mind back into Satchidananda, you mean every bit of this body and mind is nothing but Satchidananda. And there is no separate thing called body-mind which I'll think I am this body-mind. Sri Ramakrishna said something very interesting. Shuddha buddhi, shuddha mon, shuddha atma, ek jinish. The pure mind or the intellect and the pure atman are one thing. Normally in Vedanta what do we do? I am not the mind, not the intellect, I am the atma. But Sri Ramakrishna is saying, pure atma, satchidananda, and the mind and the intellect, they are all of one thing actually. There is only one reality and that reality is atman. That's what we begin to understand when we study Advaita Vedanta. All right. We have sort of completed one big section with a lot of examples. 
Shankaracharya has pointed out the fundamental oneness of the universe. And what is this fundamental oneness of the universe? It's you, the real you. Now we are coming to a climax in this book. First a little detour. What will happen now is, having realized this, what do you have to do right now? Shankaracharya will give you some advice in the next class we will see that you stabilize this first. Dwell on this truth. In Vedanta, what is the role of authority? Shankaracharya has told us. Suppose they say, I don't get it. And Vedanta says, Shraddha, accept the teaching of the teacher and of the uh, scriptures as truth. You say, but isn't that blind faith? If, if I'm going to do that, isn't that like um, that conventional religion? Because religion tells you so, you have to believe it. No, the role of authority in Vedanta is very interesting. You have to ac we accept what the authority tells us, but with a purpose. To elevate ourselves to the position from which the authority has realized this. So that we too can realize it. That's the only purpose of accepting what the authority says here. What the text says here, what the teacher says here, is not to accept it as, okay, the teacher said it, so fine, I believe you. No, not believe me. Believe me with the idea of trying to get it to come to the same perspective as the teacher. Same perspective as the text. That's the role of, of authority. So until we get it, let's take it for uh, granted that what Shankaracharya is he saying here is trying to con convey something to us through all these examples and try to change our perspective so that we begin to, this begins to seem more and more real to us. So he will tell that and there will be this little detour I spoke about, this whole question of karma. Suppose you're enlightened, then what happens to your karma? So what is karma and what happens to our karma and what happens to the enlightened person's karma? These discussions will come um, for a few verses. And then at the end uh, there will be a series of verses from verse number 100 onwards, 15 verses on meditative techniques. How do I dwell on this truth to make it a reality? Vedantic meditation. And Shankaracharya is a little mischievous there. He compares it with yogic meditation. You will see. The, um, not in a bad way, but he sh shows what normally we understand. It's a good strategy. Normally we, what we understand by meditation, because it's deeply ingrained in us. Meditation means sitting straight like this. And Shankaracharya will say, sitting. What does sitting mean? He will say it is being established in Brahman, not sitting up straight like a, a, the stump of a dry old tree. He will use that language. Yeah. What is breathing? We learn breathing in meditation, yogic meditation, a very important part, pranayama. He will describe that. Uh, the breathing in like this, hold the breath and re release like that, and these techniques are there. And Shankaracharya was a fantastic description of Vedantic meditation. He will show us. That breathing in is realizing that I am Brahman. Breathing out means realizing all of these are names and forms and appearances, mithya. That's breathing out. Breathing in is Brahman alone is real. Breathing out is Jagat mithya. Says this is the real breathing. And the other one, meaning what? That's, he calls it torture of the nose. It's torturing your nose. So he is humorous, he's slightly sarcastic also. Uh, so that will come next, 15 steps. 
remember he's not dismissing yoga he says the, and he will say towards the, after doing all of that making so much fun at the end of it he will say yoga is very useful as a foundation these yogic techniques are very useful as a foundation you neglect it at your own peril but the higher yoga is this what i'm teaching you and then the conclusion will come in the last few verses of the book where he will give a very interesting verse which shows the entire i call it the algorithm of the whole book how what was the approach in the whole book one verse he will show what did i do in this whole book to reveal what was the technique used to reveal brahman to you so that's what's ahead of us um happy new year to all of you and to all of those who are watching online today om shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupa Namastu